Good morning, everyone. Oh, come on. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad you're at church, right where you should be on a Sunday morning. Uh, at church. I had a pastor in Iowa that used to always say that. It's good to see you right where you should be on a Sunday morning, in church, worshiping God uh, together. It's good to be with you. I don't know. Uh, so I've been paying attention to and watching the World Cup a little bit over the last uh, couple of weeks. Has anyone else, anyone else paid attention to this or seen it? Kind of. You've seen it. I feel like it's kind of, oh, Judone is very excited about this. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I know that there's some people in the room, you, you live for this, right? Like this is, this is the best thing that happens every four years. Caleb's all fired up about it. I know he's, he's trying not to check the scores right now uh, if there's a game going on. And so uh, it's, an exciting, it's an exciting thing for the world. I've, I tend to know a lot more about, you know, football than I do football. But I do enjoy watching the World Cup uh, when, it, when it happens. There's, there's something interesting about this event, particularly this, this year, I think. And that is that there's the ideal of what I, something like the World Cup represents. There is this, this picture of what it could be and, and should be. And I, and I think that comes through, like after the, the match, uh, see I used the right word there, match, I'm very excited about that. After the match between the U.S. and, and the Iranians, uh, when some of the Iranian players were, were very upset that they had lost and wouldn't be advancing into the round of 16, they were really People were frustrated that a country that calls it soccer would even advance through group stage. Uh, but there was a picture that went viral of one of the, the U.S. players embracing and hugging one of the Iranian players. And one of the things that people loved about that picture is they said, this is what it should be. This is what it should be, that people around the world can come together, they can compete with one another, and at the end of the day, recognize that we're all humans. I would say we're all made in the image of God, and that, and that, uh, and that we are and should be at peace with one another and one with another. And FIFA, the organization that, that creates the World Cup and oversees the World Cup, one of their values, if you go to their website, is to protect positive values in football. And in fact, in 2020, they created a, a new human rights committee so that they would uphold and stand for justice and human rights uh, within the organization. So that's the ideal. That's what people want it to be and they feel like it should be. But the reality, and I've noticed this even more probably this time, the reality of what's happening in the world and even within the organization is something much different, isn't it? Because the World Cup is taking place in a country uh, called Qatar. And people are bothered because that is a nation where people feel like there's human rights abuses. Where things are not being handled the way that they should. Right before the match with the U.S., Iran called for the United States to be kicked out of the World Cup. Because as you may know, there's big protests happening in the nation of Iran against the government. And so uh, the United States on social media posted a, an image of the Iranian flag without um, the Islamic Republic's emblem. And so the officials in Iran right before the match called for the U.S. to be thrown out of the World Cup. Uh, the German team protested against FIFA and the nation of Qatar before, before their match by covering their mouths as if they're being silenced. And what they want to say. And the, the EU, in fact, uh, condemned Qatar for human rights violations. 
outlets like The Guardian said that migrant workers were used to construct the stadiums, and multiple uh, places have reported that hundreds, if not thousands, of those migrant workers died in deplorable conditions just to build these stadiums. So there's the ideal of what we want this to be. Nations coming together, uh, showing love for one another. There's this ideal of what we want it to be uh, within the organization. And then there's the reality of the unrest that exists in the world. And I think a lot of us come to Christmas the same way. Like, there's the ideal of Christmas. There's the ideal of, of what Jesus coming to this earth and, and uh, bringing what he was supposed to bring to this earth. And then there's the reality of what we face day to day. And so as we walk through these next few weeks at Mount Hope, we're walking through this sermon series in which we're calling it the Already But Not Yet Advent. I mean, we're going to talk and press into this reality that yet, yes, Christ has come. And yes, when we celebrate Christmas and we remember this time, we remember the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And yet, there is work that continues. This morning, we started our Advent, uh, our Advent candle uh, wreath here, and we lit the candle of peace, as Andrew just reminded us. And I think that when we think about Advent and Christmas and all that God was supposed to bring through his son. Peace is one of those areas where there's the ideal of what it could be and should be. And then there's the reality of what it is. And I think for many of us, uh, and in fact, people that, that exist outside of church world that don't yet follow Jesus Christ, this is something that really bothers them about the message. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophets spoke and talked about the day that the Messiah would come. And one of the things that they said the Messiah would bring is peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6, the prophet wrote this. He said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So one day, hundreds of years from now, the prophet is saying, a child will come, the Messiah will come, and one of the things that he will be is the Prince of Peace. And then you have that moment in Luke chapter 2 when the angels show up to the shepherds and they proclaim that Jesus Christ has been born. And for many of us, even if you haven't spent much time in church, these verses may be familiar. But let me read them to you today. Luke writes, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I think in the... Advent story and the Christmas story, we talk about Jesus, the Messiah coming down to this earth. You have this ideal, right? That this child would come and be the Prince of Peace, the angels declaring that now there is peace on earth. But then you have the reality, right? The reality that, oh, in the world, there is a lack of peace. That even with our, in our own culture, in our own nation, that we've seen, especially over the last couple of years, a lack of peace. And it's not just outside. It's not just nations. It's not just the world. I mean, in our lives, in your life. I don't know whether it's at, within your family or if it's at work or if it's in the classroom at your school. But there are all of these places where things just don't feel like the way that they should feel. But there is a lack of peace. And if we went out into the streets and we said to people, hey, Jesus came 2,000 years ago and he brought with him peace on earth, people would look at us and go, where? Like, where did he do that? Peace is something we're working towards. He has not brought it. Where do you see it? Where is it happening? And I think sometimes even for those of us who follow Jesus Christ, as you and I walk through difficult times, as you and I face challenges, this is a question that we have too. Jesus came 2,000 years ago and was supposed to bring peace. If the angels said there was now peace on earth, then why? Why is there so much conflict? Why don't I feel at peace? Why is my heart and mind in such unrest? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so worried? can cause a lot of people to question the whole thing. Like, I'll just go off and find peace somewhere else because this isn't working. So this morning as we come together and as we look at God's word and as we, as we think about what it means to, for, for Christ to, have be, to be the Prince of Peace, for Jesus to have brought peace on earth, I really just have one thing. That I feel like God is calling me to remind you of this morning. And that is that the birth of Jesus is just one piece of God's plan to establish peace. The birth of Jesus is one massive, significant piece. But it is just one piece of God's ultimate plan to establish peace. I think when we talk about peace, when other people talk about peace, 
What we really want is we just, we, we're, 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 we want a, a lack of conflict. Peace means that we want people just to get along. And so we struggle when we say that we are working towards peace and then we live through a century like the 20th century, the 1900s, which as far as innovation goes and progress is, is the most innovative century ever to, be, ever to happen in history. And yet at the exact same time, it's the bloodiest century ever to happen in history. So we struggle with that dynamic and that reality. Like we want peace. We want a lack of conflict. But I want to suggest to you this morning that we want even something greater than that. That there's something in your heart and in my heart and even those who are outside this morning, there's something that all of us want. And it's not just a lack of conflict, but there is something bigger that we desire, something bigger that we hope for. You know, this, uh, this afternoon, our daughter, Caitlin, has her, her first uh, basketball game. And um, we've been looking forward to this, her first town basketball game, not her first, her first basketball game ever, but her first town basketball game. And basketball is something that she's worked really hard at over the last couple of years. Uh, something that she's put a ton of energy and effort into, something that she's really just come to enjoy, and it's something that she's gotten pretty good at. In fact, they, they had tryouts for the town of Burlington where we live, and she made the first team, and is, is supposed to be a starter in the game this afternoon. They're playing the hardest team in their, in their league, and so she's all excited. And a couple of days ago, something happened. She was running uh, through, through the house and hit her hand on the doorframe, and she, we found out yesterday that she fractured her pinky finger. And here's the thing. Before we went and got the x-ray on her hand, we were very concerned. Is it broken? Is it not broken? Should we get it x-rayed? Should we not get it x-rayed? If we get it x-rayed and it's broken, uh, then, then well, she should probably have to sit out the game, but could she play on it? Would she do any more damage? There were all these things that were going on through our heads. And so finally we go and get it x-rayed, and now we have peace because we know. We know that it's broken. We know she can't play. Peace. But we actually want something more than that. We don't want to just know that it's broken. We want it restored. We want it to heal. We want her hand to be made whole. And so next week, we'll go talk to an orthopedist, and we'll figure out how do we make sure that her hand is restored to the way that it's supposed to be. And you and I in our world want something more than just a lack of conflict. We don't just want peace treaties that stop people from fighting with each other. We actually desire and yearn for something greater than that. We want things to be restored. It's like in a marriage. You don't want to just stop fighting with each other if you're at odds with each other. That could be peace. One lives in the attic and one lives in the basement and you have peace. That's not what you want. Boy, that hit home, I guess. So you have peace, but that's not what you want. You want restoration. I want restoration. Relationship to be made whole and be made right. We don't want just nations not to bomb each other. We want people to, to get along and we want things to, to work the way that they're supposed to work. And it's important that when we talk about peace, we understand what the Bible means, what God means when he talks about peace. 
The word that gets translated out of scripture into the word peace in English, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it's the word shalom. And in the Greek, in the New Testament, it's the word arene. And those two words, they get translated into peace. And when we think of peace, we, we think of, yeah, just nothing bad happens. Everything's fine. There's no conflict. But those words, especially the word shalom, actually speak to something greater than that. It speaks to the restoration of all things. It speaks to things being exactly the way that we're, they're supposed to be. Like Job in the Old Testament, he says his tents, his tents and his household are in a, a state of shalom because he's counted his flocks and nothing's missing. It's not just the absence of bad things. It's, it's that everything is the way it's supposed to be. You see, the birth of Jesus is just one piece in God's larger plan for peace. Not peace, just everybody gets along and bad things don't happen, but peace, everything is restored to the way it's supposed to be. I love, I heard one commentator describe shalom as like the building of a perfect wall where there isn't a single gap between the bricks and everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And I picture God building back the pieces of our world the way that they're supposed to be so that everything looks like the way that he created it. And the birth of Jesus is one massive brick in that wall, but it's not the completion of the wall. You can trace the loss of peace in our world all the way back to the beginning. Where in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created everything the way it was supposed to be. God spent six days creating, and at the very end, once he had created Adam and Eve, he looked at it, and the scripture says that he saw it, and it was very good in his eyes. Everything was the way it was supposed to be. And then Adam and Eve went their own way and disobeyed God and sent into the world. And you and I, each one of us, have gone our own way, and sin continues to affect our world. And when sin entered the world, it was like the pieces of this perfect picture were shattered. You ever pick up a puzzle of a thousand, two thousand, maybe you're ambitious, you do this over the holidays, five thousand piece puzzle, and you open up that box, and on the box you have this perfect picture of the way that this puzzle is supposed to be. And yet you open up that box and you dump it out on the table and there's all the pieces. Some of them flipped over. Some of them, if it's a brand new puzzle, they got that puzzle dust on them that you got to wipe off. You're looking around for the, for the edges just so you can try and get started and put this thing together the way it's supposed to look. And it was like when sin entered this world, you had this perfect image of what God designed and created the world to be, and it was shattered into a thousand pieces. And throughout history, God has been putting back the pieces of that puzzle and putting back the picture. When Jesus comes, an important stone in that wall is laid an important piece of that puzzle is put into place. 
And what happens in that moment is not that the world is made exactly the way it's supposed to be again, but that God opens up the door through his son for you and for me to have peace with him. Not that you would have perfect peace through every single day of life because that part of the story has not yet been written. But that you and I could have peace with God. This is the way the Apostle Paul says it in Romans chapter 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says later in that chapter, he says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Because of the reality of sin in the world, you and I are at odds with the God who created us and loves us. And the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And your willingness to accept that as, as forgiveness and reconciliation of your sin in your own heart and life opens up the door for there to be peace between you and God. That's why when you sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing this year, I want you to pay attention to the last line of the first verse. Because we sing these songs over and over and we put them on our, our speakers and we don't even necessarily understand exactly what they're saying. But the theological truth in the first verse of that song and actually throughout that entire hymn is so powerful to pay attention to. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. And what do they mean by that? That God and sinners through the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are reconciled. And if you want to start a path to peace, I mean true peace, it has to start with you being at peace with God has to start with you being reconciled to God. And my biggest question for you this morning is have you done that? Are you there? As long as you are not at peace with God, as long as that relationship is broken, the peace that you long for to find, will escape you. And for those of us who follow Jesus Christ with our lives, we have to be reminded over and over again that the story is not over yet. That God's plan to create peace, his plan to set this world right, that it's not over yet, that it's still going on. That when we turn to the end of the book, when we turn to the book of Revelation, there are pieces there that have yet to happen. It's not like the story is complete. So often we talk about the birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we talk about it at Christmas. And we talk about it at Easter. And we talk about things that happened a long time ago. And we forget that the story is not over yet. That we're in the middle of it. That there's still chapters that are written that have yet to take place. So we go to the end of the book. In Revelation chapter 21, and we read, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. See, peace is something more than just the absence of conflict. Peace is the absolute restoration of things to the way that they are supposed to be. And God is in the middle of a plan. We are in the middle of the story where God is taking all things and making them new. And there will be a day. There will be a day when God sets everything back to the way it's supposed to be, when the wall is complete. But right now, in the midst of the story, it is our opportunity to come, to come and have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 27, he said that I give you peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus said to his disciples, I don't give you peace like the world gives. Like everything's fine for now. I give you ultimate peace. The promise that I will make everything right. Paul the apostle, when he was in jail, he wrote to the church in Philippi, and he talked about peace that passes all understanding, which guards his heart and his mind in Jesus Christ. That's the peace that understands the whole story. That's the peace that is at peace with God. See, the peace that God gives you and the peace that passes all understanding is not the peace that if you follow Jesus, everything in your life will be perfect every single day, that there'll be no conflict and that everything will be made right. But the peace that God offers through Jesus Christ is that you can be in relationship with him and that you can be a part of the entirety of the story. Because so often when you understand the whole story, peace comes. Not because circumstances are perfect, but because you know God's plan. It's amazing how understanding the whole of the story can shift your perspective on things and bring peace. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, um, my son came to me, Jackson. He's eight years old, and he said, Dad, I need the iPad. Now, we do our absolute best to limit screen time in our, in our house, right? We do our best. 
But that is a challenge, all right? Limiting screen times is a challenge. And sometimes you just got to get on a Zoom call. And so you're like, watch the screen. We got to do a work call and then we'll, we'll get back. But my son came to me one night and he said, I need the iPad. And I was going to be a good dad uh, this time. So I said, I said, bud, you've used up your time today. All right, so, so we're going to find something else to do. Now in my house, there was a lack of peace, all right? Because he said back to me, but I, I want to use the iPad. And I said, I said, bud, I was like, put on my good dad hat. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's all, it's my job to make sure that you're using your brain and, and on and on. He said, but dad, I need the iPad. And he's, I said, you don't need the iPad, all right? There's kids all over the world that long for an iPad. They never get to see one. You don't need this thing. I want you to understand the difference between wants and needs. And I keep going on and on. He said, dad, I really need the iPad. I said, no, you can't have it. He said, but I got to do my math homework. <laughs> and I said, here's the iPad. Right? <laughs> it's amazing how understanding the story can bring peace. It's amazing how understanding the story can bring peace. So there's some of you in the room this morning that you don't follow Jesus Christ with your life. And you've tried every single thing that you can think of to find peace. You followed all the right TikToks that tell you all the things to do. You've been mindful. Been in and out of different relationships trying to figure that out. And it doesn't matter how, uh, how much you do or how much you try. All this wholeness and wellness that you're searching for, you cannot find it. You were invited into the story this morning. The story of what God is doing and restoring this world back to the way that it is supposed to be. You are invited into relationship with God where right now you are at odds with God and he wants relationship with you through Jesus Christ. You are invited to embrace that this morning and experience what it looks like to have peace in the midst of the storm because you are a part of the entire story. And for some of you this morning, you followed Jesus Christ for a while, but you're getting wearied and tired of how much conflict there is in life, how the lack of peace that you experience day to day. This morning, be reminded let the peace that passes all understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, even as you're in the midst of the struggle. That God's plan is not finished. That he is restoring this world to exactly the way it's supposed to be. I'm going to invite our worship team forward this morning. And as they come, I'm going to remind you of something that if you've been at Advent and Mount Hope in the past years, you may say to yourself, Pastor Brian talked about this before, but that's all right. Because I can't find a better example of what we're talking about to use. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was one of the, the great American poets of the 19th century. And in 1863... 
he was, he was in a bad spot. Uh, a couple years earlier, his wife, who he truly loved, who he'd been married to for 18 years, died horribly in a fire. And he was, he was burnt and, and disfigured in attempts to save her uh, in the fire. Then his son, Charlie, who he adored, came to his dad and said the one thing his dad didn't want to hear because Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was a, a staunch abolitionist anti, uh, for the anti-slavery movement, but yet his heart was really bothered because the nation, the United States, was at civil war with the North fighting the South. And just the fact that the nation was at war against itself uh, really bothered him. And his son came and he said, Dad, I, I can't face this anymore and just sit on the sideline. I'm going to go and I'm going to fight on behalf of the Northern armies. And then he got word that his son had, had been shot and the bullet had gone through and nicked his spine. And he didn't die, but he was going to need extensive care as he recovered. And so with his wife now gone on Christmas Day of 1863 and his son severely injured, Longfellow was at his absolute low. And he wrote these words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then very specifically, he writes about the war. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound of carols drowned peace on earth and goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then he says something that I bet summarizes the way some of you feel right here this morning. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men. And here's what you need to hear this morning. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God's not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth and goodwill to men. So when I was praying in our, in our worship time this morning, I felt like God said to me that there's someone sitting here this morning that needs to be reminded that God's not done. And that the peace that's promised when Jesus is born on this earth is not something that just mocks you as, the, as that the, the world around us is in such conflict and chaos, but is the absolute truth that he has come offering peace between us and between God the Father so that we can participate and receive and be a part 
of his ultimate plan of peace. And there's someone in here this morning that you are in the middle of it and life is hard and relationships are broken and the struggle is real. Embrace the peace God offers this morning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? God, we thank you for the truth of the peace you offer through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for the person this morning who is making the decision to follow you and embrace you for the first time. Holy Spirit, would you begin a work in that person's heart, continuing to draw them to yourself. Lord, I pray for those of us who need to be reminded this morning of your peace to us the truth of the shalom that you are building. May it give us hope today. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite you, if you would, just to stay seated. To keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and just listen to these words. Whatever it is you need to lay before the Lord this morning, do that during this time.